I am unashamed. What about you? So who is the, Zach, you may know this, who is the world's greatest pet detective? That would be Ace Ventura. Correct. Zach is correct. Did you know that, Dad? Never heard the of The world's him. greatest pet I've never detective. never heard of either one. Is <laughs> Ace Ventura. <laughs> and the reason I bring it up is because we have with us in, in Jace's chair, of all places, we have the world's greatest Bible detective. Okay. Bob DeMoss. He's about you didn't did you know you were a Bible detective? I didn't know that. Yeah. So I've given you this title because we've been trying to, you know, Dad and Jace have to have the exact same Bible. Everything's got to be on the same page. But these Bibles that we're using, these Thompson Chain Rivers, have been out of print for a while. Oh, like 20 years. A long time, right. And so they're not easy to find. Now, many of you in Unashamed Nation have sent us some, and we appreciate it, but they were not exactly the same thing. Some of the prints you've sent us, it's like Braille for me, so I I could never even read it. So we appreciate your efforts, but you have to have a Bible detective to actually find one of these. And so Bob was was coming through, and he told me he's got something. He's got a presentation. The pet, no, the pet, the Bible <laughs> detective has been on the job, Dad, and he has found another. Well, Thompson chain because this one's three years old and it's holding up, but it's looking a little bit worn. So, yep. there's your presentation. See what most people don't realize: uh, if you do a lot of Bible reading, which we do. Uh, the information where it's located, it's it's in your uh, you, you you go over and over and over it, and you can see the text three on the pa- page, three paragraphs down yeah. on the left. Right, it's when God said, I mean, it, it's on the spot before you where you whatever issue you're dealing with, you get it in your mind. You know, you say, I can't remember that text, but I know where it is. And you'll turn, <laughs> you know what book it is. Right. And you'll turn and you'll look look on the second paragraph down, starting <laughs> in verse 12. You see what I'm saying? Right. And it's way easier because if you get another Bible, the, it, the information's not on the in, not yeah. in the place right. where it was. I mean, you're so like, I've got a couple of Bibles. One is I, I use it preaching, but I don't really use it. It's just kind of more, I like having the Bible up there with me, but I put all mine in my text. It's easier for me to read in my notes, but it's kind of my show Bible for preaching, but I don't like to study out of it because I like the Thompson chain, which we all, people ask us all the time. So I'm going to tell you again, unashamed, we use Thompson chain reference Bible. We use the 84. You're not going to be able to find it. It is a great Bible. It's a great Bible, but they have a 2012. I think so. It's maybe the updated version. Mm -hmm. They kind of went in and did the neutral pronouns and stuff like that. So I just like the way that I memorize stuff from this one, which is why I like it better. But, you know, everybody has their own Bible. Speaking of Bibles, so Bob DeMoss was our collaborator, I found out. (laughs) He wasn't a ghost. He was a collaborator uh, for the Duck Commander Faith and Family Bible, which uh, we talked about last night over dinner. We did this in 2014. Can you believe this? It was seven years ago. We did this Bible. And uh, we didn't actually write the Bible, right, Bob? No, no. <laughs> because the Bible was good like it was. So tell them what we did and kind of the process. Because yeah, it was a really interesting project. It was probably, along with the devotional we did, the Duck Commander devotional, it was my favorite project, just mm-hmm. the process we went through to do it. Well, it, it, I was the um, associate publisher at Zondervan at the time. 
And one of my roles is to, to find uh, ways to get more people in the Bible more often. And to that end, I think, okay, who's in the culture that's got a high profile, who are people of faith, and who might align with some kind of a modification, like additional notes and so on into the scripture? And I heard about this little Duck Dynasty thing that was like taken off like <laughs> sweeping, the sweeping the nation. <laughs> and so although I didn't have a beard, I, I figured oh, I'm going to put together a proposal because I love that you guys have five core values, family, faith, forgiveness, freedom, and fellowship. And we said, okay, if we were to take those five essential things that are behind your heart and paired it with the lens of scripture, where we look at the top, uh, top 50 most searched terms in the Bible, which we know from that Bible from, gateway, from which Bible is, gateway. Yeah, right. So we knew what the top ones were. So it might be mercy and love and forgiveness and shame and all that. So we look at each one of those topics, shame through faith, family, forgiveness, freedom, and fellowship. And so we also went a, a little bit deeper because you could get a, a topical Bible, which would just list verses. So every place the word shame shows up in scripture, you would have all that information, but it would read like a phone book. It would not be interesting. So we said, well, these guys are living it. So let's take the life application and marry it with the topical. So we have tons of stories. We sat down, Phil, in the living room and you had your AK-47 over there. You had your Just Bible. in case. <laughs> it's actually an AR. Oh, sorry. AR. Sorry. AR-47. I don't know my I think, the, I think the AKs may be illegal, so we don't want to get into oh, that. Oh, yeah. Okay. But you had that, and then you had your iced tea, and you had the scripture. And we were sitting there, and you would just start telling me stories. And I'd be like, all that actually is part of your life? It's like I never saw that uh, on the show. We heard you pray and exhibit, you know, faith. So I said, we need to, at the beginning of the Duck Commander Bible, put in those life transformation stories and just tell that as well. And that was life transforming for me. Uh, the production company decided when we thanked our God for the meal we were going to have and just out of biblical reading, uh, I, I ask you this, Father, in the name of Jesus, through Jesus I pray, amen. So they came to us, and somebody said, they're cutting that part out. They're not running that. I said, why would they not run? Thank you for this food, Father, in the name of Jesus, our Lord, amen. Why would they not, not what would they have against that? They said, well, it, uh, it would make people maybe of other religions, it would embarrass them, and since they don't believe that, I said, but see, we do believe it. So I said, well, it, we, we had such Jesus, a big Hindu Jesus audience. Jesus goes anyway. out of the prayer. It was an unknown audience, you know, the Hindus. <laughs> I said, and the... since y'all going to pull Jesus out of a prayer, you can just pull me out at the same time. Just going to call it a wrap. That's good. They said, well, whoa, easy now. Well, they had a little meeting. They had a little meeting. They said, oh, the show must go on. So we'll allow that. So my prayer, after they said, okay, you can pray in the name of Jesus, my prayer was, they said, uh, is it time for the prayer now for your meal? So everyone, I said, everyone bow their heads, please. And I offered a prayer. And during the prayer, I said, Father, these people are trying to weed your son out that you sent to die for us. 
<laughs> and I, I would pray that you grant them repentance until you burn them in hell unless they change their mind. And I said, I pray this in the name of Jesus too. Amen. Well, when I looked up, the film crew was like, their eyes were like, they were like, what in the world? They said, Mr. Robinson, no. Could you do it one more time and maybe tone it down a little? <laughs> That's what we were dealing with when we were dealing with people coming out of Los Angeles, California, New York City. Well, I remember, Phil, in the first couple of episodes, you had recorded them, filmed them, and you didn't see it until they were airing, and they right. bleeped words that, That's right. to make it look like you all were swearing. So, yeah. So that they think yeah, that, that was another. I called them. Just... I called them out. I said, "What kind of mind, <laughs> when you filming a group of individuals who never use profanity, what kind of mind would insert pro like you did were using profanity?" I said, "What kind of mind is that?" Well, I, I the said, joke of it was one of them they bleeped out was Corey who would be the least likely person to curse in the universe, <laughs> yeah. you know? So it was just, yeah. it was so ridiculous. They, they only did it one never episode. seen a family group where no one used profanity. And by the way, the sound man came to me and he said, I'm straining. I know you're cursing a little. Everybody curses, but I'm straining. I've got y'all all mic'd up and I've got a computer board I'm looking at. He said, but I'm not hearing it. <clears throat> so I found myself straining to hear a word of profanity. He said, after six months, I've come to the conclusion that there's going to be, we, all we do is our speech is vile, the people who are filming y'all, but y'all, you, you don't care. Why? Well, what's, what's, what's all that about? <laughs> I said, I'll tell you about that this afternoon. We'll sit down. Well, I told him this gospel of Jesus Jesus died for you, dude, was buried and raised from the dead. And he's like, whoa. He said, I'd never heard that before. He said, really? So I go through the gospel with him, and he was converted mm. and calls me from time to time. I still stay in contact with him. Yep. He was converted not because of what he heard, but because of what he wasn't hearing. Mm. Well, Why don't you use profanity? We do. What's the deal with that? He had no idea why. He yeah. just wondered about it. Which we made that point before. Mm. Sometimes you impact people not by what you say, but why what you don't say. Mm -hmm. yeah. Or you know, or not mm -hmm. being negative or not being complaining or whatever. So so the Bible that we did is a speaking of versions, it's a New King James version, which the reason we went with New King James on the Bible is because it's one of the most popular mm -hmm. versions out there. Mm -hmm. And uh so that's why we went with it. And then the I'd forgotten the structure, uh Bob, but it's 52 days with Al and then 52 days with Phil. So spread out throughout the Bible, Dad and I would have these little commentary sections where we would talk about this particular word that had been searched and find it in the text. And then, Plus but it's conversion stories. Well, that's how we opened it. And we hadn't planned that, but Bob, once he sat down with us uh, in his collaborative mode. He did a great job. Oh, it was awesome. Oh, and so he you. was hearing these stories and he was like, Man, this you know the Bible is a, is a book of redemption. Why we don't need, we put that? Let's in Let's put those in there. So it's a devotional. It's a thirty day devotional. And you were just telling me your aunt's done the devotional how many times? Like, oh, my aunt Despy and Uncle Chris, they've gone through that probably three times. They huh. just and they just. In fact, I was on my way over and they said, "Tell tell them how much it means to them." Yep. Because it, you know, when I say it's transformational, it's inspiring. When you say you're unashamed, 
And you tell, like, for example, that story you just did, but also like the one where you guys were doing on the door knocking campaign and the guy's yeah. behind you and he's got a knife. <laughs> yeah. And he says, ma'am, if this was your last day on earth, yeah. would you if be you prepared? Were, if you were to die right now. Yeah, I was the door knocker. We were trying to get the message out. And, and I said, no one is ever home. But then I got to looking carefully and I would see like an eye in a shade and like, but the door wouldn't open. Dad, you don't really have the look whisk. for, you yeah. don't have a door knocking look. I thought about my whiskers and I said, you know, I don't I mean, think they're going to, I don't think I'm going to be able to do the door knocking. Knocking over thing. a liquor store, you know, you might have that look. Knocking on the door for Jesus, no. <laughs> Trust me, I'm harmless. <laughs> I have good news. No, it just didn't work. So we had 30, 30 stories, was this 30 day devotional, and they were conversions of people. And of course, we picked the the colorful ones. You know, many of them they've been through the but years. There's actually one about the guy who came down and sat in your living room, and and he said, "You told him about Christ," and he said, "Well, I'm not going to die, so I don't that's, need this, right?" That's right. That's and right. then he took off down the road. True story. True story. Go ahead and say. Tell and then us. what? Was Within it? 30 days, he had died. After he, I was just trying to. It was a knife I, fight, wasn't it? The, well, he was stabbed to death. Yeah, in yeah, a bar. In a bar. But but I tried to get him to see, death is always there. The resurrection is is the answer to our death problem, physical death. I was oh. trying to get him, but he was the only individual I've ever run across that said, "I got news for you. Nobody's going to tell me I'm going to die." <laughs> I said, "Well, I'm telling you," and I said, "Everybody else has before us." I said, so you're going to die. I said, but I've got good news coming here. Yeah. But he, we argued about it for 30 minutes, whether he's going to die. He finally stormed out of there, and he said, you ain't putting that on me. So he leaves because he wouldn't admit to the truth that he was going to die. He was, he was mortal, and he could be made immortal yeah. if he returned to Jesus. But I failed at that. I always thought back. I said, I should have pressed him harder, but I just, you know. He just was. Seeing, and the friend who brought him said, Call me up and told me, said, Look, the, the guy that, that said he wasn't going to die, I said, Yeah, he, he just did. I said, Man, I that said, was he, fast. He didn't, he didn't. I said, It was almost like God sent him he one, had an opportunity. one last time. Wow. Mm -hmm. You better deal with Which it. Dude. That's, that's the old thing about you better be ready, right? Let's and think about without the resurrection. This would be a lonely existence Ooh. on planet Earth with no That's hope. Exactly right. Because you, because you don't, you never know. Let's take a break. So, Dad, do you know the three things that are slower than QuickBooks? I have no idea. The line at the DMV, watching paint dry, and a dead turtle, which are all pretty slow. <laughs> Those things are slower than QuickBooks, and we don't want to be in that league. So we've got something to offer. If you're a small business and so you've been using QuickBooks, um, uh, our sponsor, Oracle NetSuite, uh, they call them slow books uh, because their process is much better, much superior. It's the number one financial system because NetSuite uh, gives you control of your own financials, your own inventory, your own HR, your own e-commerce. Everything that you're going to need is in one place. 93% of survey businesses increase their visibility and control since they've made the switch to NetSuite. So you want to check these guys out. they got special financing going on right now. NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program for those who are ready to make the switch today. Go to NetSuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E, NetSuite.com slash fill. Get that special financing. That's NetSuite.com. 
com slash fill and speed up your business. <clears throat> well, so so there's a lot of that in the Bible, and that's what people have loved about it. I still, Bob, every time I go places, especially if I'm speaking in a church, I always take some with me, and people love them, you know, mm-hmm. because it's mm-hmm. kind of a part of our history and the show and all that. But um, people have really loved it. So it was the first time we met you. And you and I have stayed in contact, and we've done a couple other projects. When you were working at Focus on your second run, we did a couple of things there. We did mm-hmm. a, a Christmas book. With yeah, the, I did that with yeah, Phil and I don't K. think the conversion stories aspect of it, I don't think that had ever been done, had it? Mm-mm. Yeah, I, I would think. No, well, and the idea was, the reason we put it at the beginning is before you even get to Genesis 1 and the text of the Bible, the Bible is a story of redemption. Mm-hmm. And changing yep. lives. Yep. So the idea is here's 30 people that, you know, except for this one guy, here's 29 out of 30 people that lives were changed because of what's in this book. So it really makes perfect sense that it and went that together. That was a microcosm of thousands. That's yeah, right. Since then. Right. Thousands. And then one of the things I appreciate about Bob is he, so when Lisa and I wrote Desperate Forgiveness, which was kind of our follow up to a new season, the show was over. So we kind of lost our big platform. You know, publishers are a little like, oh, you know, what have you done for me lately? You know, mm-hmm. kind of a situation. And I was getting so frustrated because we had a really solid book about forgiveness. And it was, and it was, you know, it was it was a continuation of our story, but then it was all the people we have interacted with, amazing stories of forgiveness. I mean, people that just went through terrible things with a parent, with a son, with, you know, a couple. And um, so I was real frustrated. So I sent Bob a note and I'm like, Bob, apparently I'm going about this the wrong way because I cannot get this book, mm. to, you know, to I can't get it published. I'm gonna have to sell publish, I guess. And so you said, Well, well, you gave me some advice, and then you said, Hey, give me a call because I might have something we could work out. And mm-hmm. so you wind up helping us uh publish it through folks on the family, which has now created a great relationship with us and okay. Jim Daly yeah. and all those guys. So I thank you for that, Bob, because that book, we got it out there because of your help. So we wouldn't have otherwise. Well, I mean, that's the thing is that um, years ago, I had written a book called, in fact, I brought a copy for y'all. It's called The Devil in Pew Number 7. This is a, um, a hmm. true story <clears throat> that took place. And the author uh, ended up on a New York Times bestseller, and it was on the Dr. Phil show, and Sony optioned it for a movie. But the the Devil in Pew Number Seven, the theme of it, because every book, when you talk about the book writing process, you want to say you start with the audience. What is it you want to make or provide for them? Right. Start with the outcome, and then you move towards that. Well, the Devil in Pew Number Seven, the true story, Becky Alonzo says, um, my need for God trumped my need to be mad at God for what had happened to her family through that story, which is a true story. And I thought about that. It's like forgiveness is the language of heaven, and we need to be fluent in that. Well, having done that book 10 years before the Desperate Forgiveness book came along, I'm already in on that because I had lingered two years writing that, and I thought if he wants to bring forgiveness into, into a relationship between a husband and wife, and there's so many ways to go sideways, you take yeah. any current event today, yeah. people, they're, they're threadbare. You, we need his forgiveness desperately, but we need to forgive each other desperately. Yeah. So that's why I was all in on that. Oh, yeah, which is really great. And then, as Bob said, his family, he and his family were impacted by your time working with us because you had never seen it quite the way 
that we do it and we mm-hmm. presented it. And so uh, a, a dad said this morning when you first got here, he said, I love an honest man because at the end of it, you said, you know what? I think my family and I need to, you know, recommit our lives to you know what we've been talking about for this. And then that, the neat thing about working on a project with spiritual content is you never leave that void. I mean, you're always mm-hmm. going to, that's when God's going to work on you. And so we actually baptized Letitia, your wife, mm-hmm. on In the Woods, yeah. on an episode of In the Woods. You remember? Because yeah. yeah, we, sure we showed the Bible study and then <laughs> sure and we did. baptized her. And then your daughter Sienna, uh, yep. was baptized as and well. And then um, Danny and Bobby are the, my last two, the youngest two. Need done. <laughs> we, need to, we need to go on down the river. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of them said it. They told Bob, they were like, hey, y'all, y'all all got baptized down there, but what about us? And Bob's like, well, we can probably work something. <laughs> so Phil's still down there. You know, the still, river might be a little cold this time that's of year. Exactly you know, right. I don't know about that. Of course. Parker. And then uh, the famous teal swat, the, the oh, last yeah. great teal hunt we had was the day Bob and his daughter were here. We were filming something for the for that Christmas book. And remember, they were out behind the blind watching. Oh, you, you, you he observed was, the He observed right. it. That's right. He thinks every tail hunt is like that. I said, Bob, that was like one every decade that's <laughs> like that. Remember those huge bunches were coming yeah. in, 75, 100, bam, bow, 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 bow. It was something, but, but Bob was there for that, we too. Just are, we're coming out with another book, uh, and it's about a lot of what Bob just said about people who pass judgment on others Right, and they're guilty of the same thing they're charging someone else with. Right, there's no forgiveness. If you made a mistake 200 years ago, we're never going to forgive you for that, and we and we we will hate you and until, be embittered and divide yeah. people over. Yeah, Instead so that's, of forgiveness, that's the basis of our next book, yeah. which we're going to talk about in the next podcast. Uncancelled, uncancelled, which is really good. Mm. Um, so Zach, I, I was going to ask you. You said you you said before we came on that. Uh, Jason inspired you for something, so I want to hear what you what you got. Because we were talking about last time on the podcast, we were in Matthew fifteen, I think, in sixteen. Uh, sixteen, yeah. Oh, yeah, I think we're in sixteen. So what what what's your inspiration? We want to hear this this morning because, well, he got on the whole kick about the uh, the first uh, weather reporters, right? right. With the, in Matthew sixteen, where um, where was it's that? First oh, yeah, two. Right here at the beginning, it says. Yeah, the Pharisees and Sadducees came up. By the way, I read the NASB, so I, I don't use the NIV 84 version. Uh, so I'm the only one that I think doesn't. But I grew up reading that. So I still, when I sometimes when I'm preaching and I'm, if I'm quoting scripture, I always quote in the 84 NIV. But I read now because when I did some M, uh, master's uh, uh, MDiv courses, they um, had us use the NASB, so that's what I transitioned to. But anyways, which, so I'm reading which that, I use that I, when I, I study that, too, Zach, because that's a good version. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I use different. Yeah, ones I like the, and I like I like the ESV as well. Um, no, I, I just got I, I was looking about it because I was thinking, what does this mean at the end of it when he talks about the sign of Jonah? You know, we didn't really talk about that when when uh, he says an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. And a sign will not be given except for the sign of Jonah. And he left him and went away. But I uh, went back and read that whole context again. I, and I, I, I found something really cool in here, um, you know, of, of kind of Jesus's argument here, which is so it's interesting what he's saying is um, he says the Pharisees and Sadducees came up and testing Jesus. They asked him to show them a sign from heaven. So they want, they want to see a sign, which man, I think our culture can certainly relate to that. And he replied to them, when it's evening, you say um, that it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, 
there will be a storm today for the sky is red and, th- and threatening. Uh, you, do you not know how to discern the appearance of the uh, excuse me, do, do you know how to discern the appearance of the sky but cannot discern the signs of, of the times? I think Jesus is making a point here that the, they had all the uh, capacity to make um, predictions about things using, you know, this kind of Western logic or just uh, you could look at, like they didn't have any problem with information and discerning it. Um, what their problem was, was, which is this whole thing we've been getting at in this whole text of Matthew, is they had a heart issue. And, um, and I was thinking about that verse in um, Romans 1. I think Bill quoted it yesterday uh, on the last podcast that, um, that men suppress the truth by their unrighteousness. That's how truth gets suppressed. And I think, I, I think that's what Jesus is getting at here with these Pharisees, is that their heart was wicked. So it didn't matter. You could give them all the right information. Didn't matter, because he was because he he they had the right information they had the scriptures but they continued to deny the person of Jesus. Now I, I was just thinking about that in our in our in our current cultural climate. You know how we tend to, you know, have to have the right information. We think we need the right information when really what we need is a heart change. Well, and going back to Phil, what you said about what the producers of Duck Dynasty did, they were just as Zach was saying, suppressing the truth which was that you were saying in Jesus' name for their unrighteous acts. That's right? correct. So that was in their heart, and that's what came out of their heart, was to not allow you to do what was in your heart. Yep, and, and to suppress truth. Let's take another break. So to your point, Zach, the, the, a chapter earlier, you remember the same group of people were – you know, they were whining about the disciples not washing their hands before they ate yeah. and saying it made them unclean. And then Jesus makes the same point you're talking about. He says, it's not what goes into your body with the dirty hands that make you unclean. It's it's what's in there already. It's that heart. Yeah. So he made the same point both times in a different way, to your point. Plus, up to this point, up to this point, uh, they were still saying in their hearts, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. I mean, who is this person that's going around saying what he's saying, that he's the Lord of the Sabbath, and 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 he's uh, without sin? Can any of you prove me with guilty of sin? He, he asked them that in John 8. Right. Because they he said, if you follow my teaching, you'll know the truth, and it'll set you free. And they're like, set us free from what? Right. We're not slaved to anyone. Right. He said, yeah, you are. So he told them about sin, but leading up the prelude about who he is, that's why right before he gets to the point on what he's going to do, die, be buried and raised from the dead, before that all came about, he brings in his church that will be established, which is basically the kingdom of God. Peter's going to open the door to it in Acts chapter 2 when they say, what do we do? Because Peter reminded him, he said, you killed the author of life. You've killed the Messiah, mm-hmm. but God has raised him from the dead. <clears throat> they were just devastated. Right. These same people in, well, in Matthew 16, when after Jesus died, was buried and raised from the dead, it was a complete new ball game. You think then. about this at the end. At the end of uh, that little passage here in Romans six, I mean uh, Matthew sixteen, that, that that the sign of Jonah is just that. It's the it's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Jonah was in the belly of a well for three days, which is kind of this symbol or this uh, 
you know, foreshadowing of Jesus who was in the, you know, the, the belly of the earth for, for three days and was resurrected. So, so if, you, if you think about the context of what he's getting at here is that what they're saying is, give us the right information. If you give us the right information, like give me the signs so that I can see it, so then, I, then I'll use my rational faculty to look at the signs that you're providing, and then I'll, you know, I'll, based on logic, I'm going to make the right choice. And Jesus is like, no, you won't. You won't make the right choice because you can, you're making the right choice when it comes to the weather, but when it comes to the times of the sign, you, you, you guys aren't seeing it. He said, I'm not going to give you any sign. You want a sign? Here's the sign, the, the sign of Jonah. You're going to see it. When, I'm, when I come out of the ground, that'll be the sign. And, and they even and, and yeah, to, he reminded us of that when he talked to the Corinthians. Uh, uh, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who <clears throat> believe. Jews demand miraculous signs. He's alluding to what he was wrestling with. Matthew recorded it, Mark recorded it, Luke recorded it, John recorded it. They just said, show us another sign. Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, which is what Jesus said, here's what I'm fixing to do. And he told them, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem, and these people I'm arguing with, they're going to hand me over to the Romans, and they're going to slaughter me. I mean, everyone was looking at each other saying, because that's the first time he said, here's my mission. Here's what I'm going to do. Uh -huh. Well, that's why I'd ask him just a little little while earlier, who do they say I am now? Who, who, what are they calling? And, and the, they just went down the list, the disciples. Well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're one of the prophets. You know, he said, what about you, though? Who do you say I am? And Peter was the one that said, you're the Messiah, the Christ, the son of the living God. On this rock, I'll build my church. And by the way, Peter, I'm going to give you the keys to open the gate to the kingdom of God. So, which is what they had been hollering about 133 times. I'll bring that up again. Mm. The kingdom of God is mentioned in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There are many to this day who are still waiting on the kingdom. And here we sit a couple of rednecks and old Bob DeMoss from up the country. We're members of the kingdom. We're trying to get them to see it. It's like pulling teeth. Yeah, well, if yeah. you can get a city slicker like me, hey, you can get anybody. All types are brought in. That's right. From the homeless to the Bob DeMosses, the Bible makers, and all and the rednecks, you say they all come together under one head. It's a beautiful thing to watch, isn't it, Al? It is. And, you know, Zach, one of the things I like about Jonah as the foreshadow you go back and read Jonah. By the way, it's a great read. It's only four chapters, but it's an amazing story. And Jesus is the one that made the comparison of three days in the fish and three days in the earth. But Jonah, it's almost like God has a sense of humor because he uses a as a reluctant a person as there was on the planet mm. to go preach to these wicked people. Look, the people that he went to preach to, in Nineveh, these were the ones in history that when they finished a place, it was a, a pyramid of skulls. That's when, when mm -hmm. they went in and wiped somebody, that's how vicious they were. <clears throat> so the whole world hated these people. And so did Jonah. And he was like, I don't want to go. And he did everything he could to not go tell them that judgment was about to come. It's not going to do any good. Right. He was like, and so then after he... The, the the fish spits him out. He's on the beach. He's all bleached out. He's lost his hair. He looks terrible. He's preached the message that God told him to preach. And they start coming to repentance. And he's sitting there mad. 
because he's wanting fire of judgment to fall down on these people. Burn them all. Burn them all. But but Jesus compares his message, because the message was the same, mm-hmm. and the way he did it to this reluctant person, and it's such the opposite of Jesus who came here knowing what would happen to him. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, there's a really interesting sidebar on this whole story. So when I was uh, working at Focus on the Family, making a new kid's Bible, so the Adventures in Odyssey Bible, my son Danny said, well, what if you were to have like a map of the of the Old Testament times and have key events marked on the map? So we did. We pulled it together. And then there's, they, they wrote the town of Nineveh. And I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, wait a second. It, why is it inland like 100 miles or some number? It's a long yeah. walk. It's not. Jonah got spat yeah. up on the beach right. and there's Nineveh. So he's just going to, you know, he just had, he had a long, a multi-day journey in which to change his mind. I had never seen that yeah. because so often, right, we have this conversion experience or this aha, right. yes, God, your way or the highway. And then we get a little bit of a little space, a little distance, and that starts to wear off. And then we start to like, well, I don't know about... <laughs> I just thought he was vomited on the land. Boom! There's Nineveh, he and he go. preached. But he had a he, lot of opportunity uh-huh. to be tested on how serious he was yeah. about proclaiming what God told him to do. Yeah, and he didn't want to do it. I mean, there's no doubt. Let's take another break. But that but that happens a lot, Zach. And we talked about Hebrews. Really, the whole book of Hebrews is about the foreshadowing of of Jewish law and the temple yeah. and everything and how it all pointed to Jesus that he now would fulfill all those things. He is the high priest. He is the lamb. He is, you know, all of it. You know, he is the temp, the curtain because it's been ripped, you know, so now everybody has oh, access. Yeah. So it's all those things from the old Testament, which is why you have to look in at the Bible in totality. Mm-hmm. Most people don't understand that they don't ever mm-hmm. go to the old Testament because they're like, well, you know, that's old stuff. That's old law. That doesn't concern us, but you miss all of this laying the groundwork for who Jesus is and what he did. I mean, it's all part of that same puzzle that comes yep. together, which is pretty powerful. Well, it still speaks to, it still speaks to the condition of, of all humans. I mean, you know, there's like these uh, certain themes that just kind of run through the Bible that they're from start to finish. And I, I think one of the big things that I talk about a lot is, is the, uh, the, the human tendency to focus on the things of God. Uh, I said this last week, Rather than the God of the things, and and that I think that's the big thing that's going on here in in this uh, Matthew sixteen uh, story, is that you got these people that are focusing on the information that they can get from God as opposed to the formation. It, it is really more about formation than information. You know, you can give somebody the right information, but but you know, I, at the end of the day, we're going to do what we want to do. And I think that's one of the areas in the church that we've not really hit on is the level of desire. And a lot of people listen to this podcast, you know, they're like, man, I got the right information, but man, my heart still is pretty wicked and I still want to do all the wrong stuff. And I think that what Jesus is offering is more like an apprenticeship. He's offering a formation of, of to change you and change who you are. And he does it. I love that, how he ends that whole thing with the, with the gospel itself. He does it through the gospel by, by us. Not only did Jesus die, Jonah went in the belly of the well, stayed for three days and, and came out. Jesus went in the belly of the earth, stayed for three days and came out. And then we, just like Jesus, well, that's what baptism symbolizes, is we are, we're, we're buried in baptism with Christ, Romans 6, 
So we're reenacting his gospel. We die under the water symbolically, and then we're raised out to live a new life. So we actually participate in this same gospel that Jesus is proclaiming right here. Yep. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful story. And the, re- and the results were the same at, in Nineveh as they have been since Jesus came, you know, was resurrected because those people repented. I mean, the message of yeah. God worked. Even through a reluctant messenger, <laughs> the message was still powerful enough to impact people. So I thought it was interesting, Zach, to close out that section uh, of Matthew 16, that he tells the disciples to be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And, you know, the idea that it's a little thing put in, but then it grows, you know, through the dough is the concept. He's you got to watch these guys because – if you don't recognize them for who they are, you'll let a little of that come back in. A little of that legalism, a little he of that. He mentioned that when he said, you diligently study the scriptures, and you think by them you'll be saved, That's but right. the scriptures are about me. Me. And you miss me. And you miss me. That's exactly right. It's profound. It's amazing, really. So we've talked about this, and I mentioned this yesterday, that we kind of we're in the bash mode of the disciples because they're not getting it still. In fact, the Canaanite woman, as we talked about in the last podcast, she gets it before they did. She got it. Mm-hmm. You know, he said, you, this woman's of great faith. They come back and they say, it's because we forgot the bread. That's why he's talking about the yeast. <laughs> I mean, like totally missed it. You know? So the disciples are every time they're, they're challenged with something from Jesus. Like, okay. You know, they just, they don't get it and they're trying to figure it out. So he kind of chews them out. And then he says, how is it? In verse 11, you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread. Get off the bread. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then it said they understood he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching. So it, it, it took a while, but he finally penetrated you know, their mm-hmm. view of what was going on, which sets and up by the way, Al, where he's going. The very ones who were chosen by him that saw the miracles that heard the arguments when Peter and John ran to the empty tomb, he said, I'm going to die. go up to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. And I'm going to be buried and raised from the dead in three days. Yep. Peter was arguing with him. Whoa, dude, that's never going to happen. Right. I mean, the very thing that saved the world, Peter sitting there said, ain't going to happen down at the bottom of chapter 20 of John. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead all the way to the tomb. They were still saying, how could this be? How's it going to happen? It was right there in front of them. Right. I mean, literally in front of them. They, it, it took them that long. By the way, in that last little love section, I think it's in Luke, that last little section. Let me read this right quick. Check this out. What is it, Luke? What? This is the last wordage in Luke 24. Uh, He opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures because up to then, even at the resurrection, they were like, I don't know about that. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. I've been telling y'all this ever since Matthew recorded it about halfway through. Mark waited about halfway through. Then he brings it up. Luke the same way, John the same way. So he said, the Christ must suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, which it has, beginning in Jerusalem in Acts 2, the kingdom coming, the message ringing out from him. 
You're all witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, the spirit, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power on high. So that's the lead up to the official unveiling of the kingdom of God. And like he said, will be preached to all the nations. It's gone to every one of them. Yeah. All the way. Every nation has heard it. Pretty powerful. Yep. Right. Let's take our last break. Yeah, I love what you said there about the uh, um, the Jesus opening their eyes so they could see the scripture. You know, I yep. think that's one thing we want to leave out sometimes. Like we, you, you're not going to see the truth of the gospel until the Holy Spirit illuminates your heart and opens you up to be able to see that. And that's I think right. that's what Jesus is also getting at Matthew 16 that you got the right information. But and this is biblical. You go to like you can't discern. Uh, Paul says in First Corinthians, I think one or two, that you can't discern spiritual things unless you're a spiritual man. So God has to open you up to even see what this is. You don't you can't discover this on your own. You're too we're, 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 our, our intellect is too corrupted by, by unrighteousness. We've already suppressed the truth. It was a hard sale 2,000 years ago, and it's still a hard sale. It's just the way it is. You know, I will say one yeah. thing that's really, because we've been talking about this and the application, right? There's the what and the so what. So if Christ has done this transformation in us, the so what, the life change that like we chronicled in the Duck Commander Bible, the life changes, each of us has a story to tell. And the neat thing is these days we have tools at our disposal to publish whether it's this new series that you guys have here, mm-hmm. which is just, I love this, Phil. The Phil, C plus gospel. C, C plus gospel. I love that. But Which lets them know it's not rocket science. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we each, so people who are watching the podcast or listening, you know, we have stories and there are tools at your disposal that you yep. can self-publish these days and do your own story that maybe maybe it's not going to be a New York Times bestseller, but can it be a bestseller within your circle of influence? So have some time, take some time to say, how has Christ changed my life? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be a heavy Bible study. So like, Phil, I, I, I brought this book, Hazel the Outlaw Mummy. It sounds like, what does that got to do with anything? This is a short story that goes into this question of why do we hold on to things that should have been buried a long time ago? And it's like an Aesop's fable. It's a story based on some experiences that I had, which are just remarkable. The story would just blow you away. But the point is, is that I can self-publish this on, I don't need to go get a contract and an agent and all that stuff. Anybody with a story where they experienced some life change or an insight can now, they have the tools to go do that. And I'd love to see a whole cadre of disciples of Christ telling stories of life change that's unique to them, just like, Phil, you say your story, which is unique to you, of your transformation. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the Word of Christ. That's right. And Revelation 12, 11, they overcame the evil one by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, mm. the stories they tell, mm-hmm. and the and they didn't love this life so much that they would shrink back even from death. So if you're willing to be all in and you're willing to, to share the victories of God in your life, I agree 100%. And there are ways now to get stories and your story out that you, that you didn't have before, yeah. which is fascinating. Do you want me to jump into this for yeah, yeah, just yeah. a sec? So, for example, 
I have a friend, a songwriting friend and pastor in um, uh, Nashville, Tennessee, Bobby Price. So Bobby said, I have this idea for what if Satan had a diary where he kept notes on how he works to distract us. So he said, well, we're going we're gonna to create. Um, so I said, well, let me help you tell that story. So we created this thing that's called the Devil's Diary. And as this is just a proposal, just like I had proposed to you guys on the Duck Commander Bible. And so within the within something like this, because this is just an idea, mm-hmm. it's not nobody owns it yet or published it yet. We're like, let's let's put two different covers. Let's let people decide, well, what cover would make sense? So this is like an inspirational piece to go get a, a larger publishing deal versus, say, a self-publishing deal. Right. We have tools at our disposal. I mean, this was just made at a, at a local print shop, you know, in terms of the printing of it. Yep. So then we can then take something like that and sell our ideas to producers or publishers or filmmakers or whatever to tell the story. We have tools today that we did not have years ago that we can get people fired up about. I'd like, I'd like to be a part of it. Right? I've been impacted by that. And so it's just really an exciting time to be a believer, to be able to use the power of story and the power of scripture and our own testimonies to convey and not be Jonah about it and not start to say, well, you know, I'm not not a writer. I don't know. If God gave you a story, he gave it for a reason. Be a good steward of that story. That's right. Good point. And 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 mentor people. So uh, Jim Daly was I was on the phone with him yesterday before you got here. He's the president of Focus. And he was telling me that you had been working some with his son. His son was writing a, a oh, yeah. novel. And he said, you know, Bob took him to dinner and gave him some pointers and, you know, stuff like that and structure. So is there, and I'm putting you on the spot here, <laughs> is there, if someone had a question from our audience about writing, is there some way they can reach you? Do you have a, like a well, website, I mean, they, an email? Or? Uh, well, the, my website is bobdemoss.com. Okay. So they can go there. It's a little form if they want to send you me stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. It shows some of the books. I've, I've had a chance. You, you've to, written a lot of stuff. About 50. I've collaborated on about 50 right. books. I don't have them all up. But the, I, I still love, because we're headed into Christmas, for example. Yeah. And Phil, that story, the story of the fireplace and your house almost burning down. Yep. Coming on the, I mean, that story just pulls you right in. And yep. you have those Advent meditations leading up Plus to Christmas. Plus, everyone has a story of some sort. Yeah. You know. Yeah. From the least to the greatest. There's a story behind it. Well, and it's interesting because our family has always been a family of storytellers. And it really goes back. I mean, my grandpa wasn't a man of many words, but when he did talk, he told great stories. You know, Paul would tell us those. And of course, so he told us the same ones many, many times, yep. which helped me remember them. Yeah. But even my granny was the same way. She told a ton of stories about family and about people. And so me being the oldest uh, in our family, I was kind of the historian and held on to those stories, but they don't do any good if I don't tell them to my grandkids. Right. To this day, Al, they kind of broke it down and said, you're kind of the director of the podcast. <laughs> then Jace is the storyteller. And I'm just kind of back over here, just throwing out a little, 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 little information. Well, you're the time. one they love to hear from though. They, the biggest, the biggest complaint on our podcast is that Jace interrupts you too much yeah. and that Zach tries to be too smart. But, but I tell him all the time, I said, Zach's not trying to be smart. He is smart. He's the smartest out Amen. of our, our, out of our quartet. Amen. He's got a look about him. He does. <laughs> <laughs> well, what Jace do? Jace interrupted himself yesterday, so that was a 
That he was did. First. That was classic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and I yeah. said it at the time. You know that you interrupt a lot when you interrupt yourself, and then acknowledge the interruption, <laughs> yeah. which he did. That's like a squirrel moment, right? <laughs> Not only did he acknowledge it, he was mad at himself for interrupting himself. So he was—he yeah. actually offended himself. I don't know why I keep doing this. He actually—he actually offended himself and then chastised himself. He did. All this happened. All this happened on air. Oh, yeah, it was beautiful. It was, just, it was such a beautiful unfolding of events. So Zach, yeah. you—I you, don't know that you. I don't think you were on the episode uh, a few episodes back. I read a letter that I had written to my great grandmother when I was six years old, mm-hmm. 1971, because it still had the seal on it, you know, when it was mailed. So I knew how old I was. And in the letter, you know, it was like a six year old would write. I mean, I told her I loved her. I was telling her about the cats and the dogs. And then I said, Jason is still mean, but I guess that's the way it is with little brothers. <laughs> Now, I wrote this at six. <laughs> what was ama- And I read it on air. And Jace is sitting there. I said, what's amazing, Jace? You were not even two. And I was <laughs> remarking on how bad your demeanor was at two. So now you're 52. He was, he, 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 so he was mean at two years old? Yeah. He was just like he is now at two. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, it's recorded. I said it in a letter to my great grandmother. I wouldn't have lied to her. Yeah. And so I told her, I said, Mom has been vindicated because she said from the moment you came out of the womb, you started arguing with her. And you've been arguing ever since. <laughs> That's what, did she not say that? That's storyteller. See, That's what they he's say. He's a storyteller. He so everybody's got a role. <laughs> I've got a, uh, I've got a, uh, see, a 13 year old boy who likes to argue. And, and Missy and Mia came in town a few weeks ago. And, um, of course, Bear comes out. He just starts into his whole deal. And I'm looking at Missy. She's just kind of like her, like just watching him for about 10 minutes of him just arguing. She said, my goodness, you are Jace Robertson made over. And he asked me later, what, well, how am I like Jace, Dad? I said, that was not a compliment. That was not a compliment. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you right now, I blame your lovely wife, who's one of my favorite people, Jill Dasher. She's she's made a few mistakes, and one of them was naming him after Bear Bryant. You get what you you get what you do. You, you, you created that and created another Jace by name after Bear Bryant. She's never done that. That's child abuse outside yeah, of the lack, state of Alabama. Lack of judgment on my part, for sure. I should have. All right, we're out of time. Uh, Bob. Welcome, uh, welcome here. It's great you, to you can be build back. a go build us a Greek salad. Yeah, I'm gonna make. Bob it makes bigger. the best Greek salads. They're amazing and they're beautiful. On top of that, well, I will tell that. I will say this: when we were working on the Bible, Phil just looked at me as just this Bible maker guy. And as soon as we headed forth into the kitchen, you started. And I picked up a knife. My cachet with Phil went up. You got it. I'm handling the knife. You got it. He said, You rose in stature over one salad. I'm like, Yeah, okay. So we're going to record another podcast. We're going to bring Gordo in and we're going to let you go build us the salad. Sounds great. Thanks for having me, y'all. You're welcome. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.